Our speaker today is Colonel Gregory Burt. Colonel Burt recently returned from Afghanistan, where he served from February to November 2009 as commander of the commander of the Operational Mentor and Liaison Team in Kandahar Province. A proud native of Newfoundland, Colonel Burt is a member of the, 20, of the Royal 22E Regiment du Canada. He has a bachelor's degree from the Royal Military College in Business Administration and a Master of Arts degree in Defence Studies from King's College, London. He also holds a master's degree from École Nationale d'Administration Publique de Quebec in Public Administration. Colonel Burt has served in Lar, Germany, Somalia, the former Yugoslavia, and Bosnia. Within, within Canada, his postings have included Commanding Officer and Chief of Staff of the Land Force Quebec Area, Director of Land Strategi Strategic Concepts in Kingston and Defense Strategy Management, Department of National Affairs. Um, Colonel Burt. First of all, I'm not here to recruit. Second of all, it's important to note I'm here representing the 2,500 Canadian soldiers, your soldiers in theater right now. Of that number, 16 are from Lethbridge, the unit here, and eight more are from Lethbridge, but they're with the unit in Edmonton. So you have 24 people from Lethbridge over there right now, so I'm speaking on their behalf. And all those that preceded me. Uh, the key message here is actually in your own uh, pamphlet. The life, lifeblood of democracy is informed public debate. For the next 30 minutes... I'll speed up and speak in Newfoundlandese if I have to, to get through the 30 minutes. My intent is to inform you what the media is not able to inform you what's going on in theater, and from there you make your own judgments. Next. is the operational mentor and liaison team called Omelette. Now, I know you are coming in. Who had a chance to look at the video as it was playing when you came in? Not many? Did you hear the words? Have faith in me? Okay. First of all, have faith in your soldiers. We have the best soldiers in the world, second to none, and it's thanks to your support. The second message, those who did get a chance to look at it, notice there wasn't a lot of bombs going on. It's because we're focused on the people of Afghanistan. 2001-2006, the main effort was counterterrorism looking for bin Laden. When we moved to Kandahar in 2006 to 2009, we realized we were in a major insurgency. A lot of enemy in that area. The troops we had at the time could only hold the ground, hold the line. 2009, we got more troops, so the situation changed. And as you shall see, how we changed it and why we changed it and what is the effect on the ground. So my speech today, next... I'll go over the mission, what Canada is doing and what Canada plans to have done by the time we leave in 2011. Then I'll talk about my job, the challenge I had as the, uh, the commanding officer of the operational mentor and liaison team, Omelette, and a bit of conclusion 
while you're having your lunch, a little video, and then questions afterward. I'm walking around to keep everybody awake. I can't stand still, and I'm tied to a, like a dog here, so I might trip up a couple of times, so bear with me. Next. First of all, it's important, uh, the map of Afghanistan. Next. Two messages on this slide. First of all, you notice there's a lot of countries there, not just Canada. So we have to work with all the coalition. Canada is in the southern part. Kandahar is right there. Note the proximity of the border of Pakistan. Next. This is the operational area. Right here we have Kandahar City. This main road here is called Ring Road South, which is our Highway 1, a major artery. Hundreds of trucks per day, not military, civilian trucks with goods travel that road every day and get shot and bombed at by Taliban. Here is the Kandahar airfield. So you know to get to the major portion of the area, we have a long way to go. 50 kilometers by 30 kilometers, 1,500 square kilometers was the area in 2006 that we took over. We had a company here, a company here of 150 troops, another company up here of 100, and this area here and this area here, small Afghan units of about 500. When I left, we had a whole American battalion here of almost 1,000. All the Canadians were in this area here, 1,000. 1,000 Americans up here. In the town, we had another 1,000 Americans. Plus, we doubled the size of the Afghan National Army from uh, 1,400 to 3,000 in the same area. Outside of that, there was 3,000 more Americans on top of all that. So you can see the major difference from 2006 to 2009. 2009, all this happened. Five times the number of troops in the same area. When you hear troops to the ground, that is what we're talking about. Next. Now, remember I said 2006, this is a bad, this is Badlands there. This is where the uh, priest, Omar, you heard Mullah Omar, who's the head of the Taliban, that's his hometown. You can't see it on the map, but that is full of high irrigation ditches. When you get in, there's a lot of vegetation, and you can say each up troops. It takes about 1,000 or 2,000 troops just to maneuver and clear that area. All we were doing was in our strong points, going out, mowing the lawn, and coming back. Mowing the lawn, you know, it grows back again. You've got to go out and mow it again. The challenge we have is 85% of the population of the whole of province of Kandahar is in that little box. So our focus changed with the number of troops on the ground. This will be our focus. This is where we want to put our energies, developing a stable region for that 85%. So as I go along, I'll talk about this is our flower pot. We've got to get the weeds out, which is the bad guys, and going out mowing the lawn once in a while to get rid of leadership and the IED factories that are in that area hidden away and uh, surgical strikes and whatnot. Next. When we talk about a failed state, key things have to be remembered. You have to develop security. Then you get to governance, rule of law. Then you can start developing. You can't build a school that's going to be blown up two days later. And that was, hap that was happening before we changed our focus. Secondly, Battlefield success, killing bad guys is still not going to get a stable environment. 
you have to get inside the villages, live with the people, let them know you're staying. Because in the past, we had to leave and, and go back to our points because we had never had enough troops because we had to go elsewhere the day after. So we're staying there now. By staying, you can develop a stable environment. The district leaders can start speaking to the people. And then we get development help, get the schools built, and our district centers. So don't forget, there's a key, provide security. 85% of province of Kandahar, that's what our focus was. Next. Now this is a very important slide. If you leave here, just remember those seven bubbles. I'm going to explain them to you. And you can use these seven bubbles to explain what we're trying to do in our area of operations. In the middle, that's the people. They're Islamic, so they have that part to remember. And they're also Afghan. Afghan have their own culture. Just two things everybody has to remember. On the right-hand side is what we call the bad guys. Alternate state, that's a shadow-type government. What the bad guys, Taliban, did, they would come into the village. Each village had their elders, who were highly respected, their mullahs or their priests, and some form of government, either district, provincial, or national in each of the areas. The insurgents, this group here, would come in, kill the government, intimidate the elders, either replace or intimidate the priests to speak their, their messaging. So in order to make sure that we get the people, we've got to somehow cut the people off from those two sources. And we can't do that from without. We've got to do that from within. That means host nation government getting in there and host nation security forces. Note on the left-hand side, that's the coalition. There's no direct link here. It has to be done through their own government, through their own security forces. So in a nutshell... The host nation government and security forces getting involved with the people, offering them a better environment, a stable environment. Has anybody seen the movie Wild Hogs, the four guys on a motorcycle? They go into a town, and the motorcycle gang comes in, and the town rises up and kicks the motorcycle gang out. That's what we want to create, that type of environment. Okay. We still have to go mow the lawn. Note that line there. That has to be done because they're outside of the area, but that keeps them at bay. So if you memorize those seven bubbles, you can see our focus is the people. Next. So in our diagram in Kandahar City, that bubble is at 85% around here. This is our bubble that we were looking at in Kandahar. How do you do that? you got to start somewhere. Just south of Kandahar is a village here called Dehiba. We went in there, cleared it of the Taliban, with the district leaders with the protection of Afghan National Police, Afghan National Army, and coalition forces, rebuilt the district center for governance, school, street lights, paved some of the roads, got them working, paying them to dig their irrigation ditches to get their farmers back up again. We started there. And as you put an ink blotch onto a paper, it spreads. Can you imagine the people in Dehiba all happy? And the people who poor just would say, hey, I want some of that stuff. Well, you want some of that stuff? Help us get rid of the Taliban. That was the methodology. And it spread. This area right here has been cleared and is pretty well stable. Throughout that area I just showed you, 
Canadian forces, soldiers at platoon level are living in the villages with Afghan National Army, Afghan National Police. Our soldiers are getting to know everyone in the villages by name. So you know someone's different when they come in. So that's a major difference in our approach. What you see here, this whole area, the plan is by 2011, with our Americans who are working with us, would have stabilized that whole region, thus having 85% of the population of Kandahar province stabilized by our departure in 2011. That's the plan. Next. This is an example of what we've done in Dehiba. Streetlights, Villa Village Center, irrigation ditches in that area. These pictures will show that we actually did that. Next. So you got your bubble. These lines of communication I spoke to you about, they have a lot of goods moving on those roads. They have to be kept secure. So out there, Afghan National Army with your Canadian soldiers are checking the culverts every morning, making sure there's no IEDs, over 80% fine rate and sometimes more in some areas, because we're getting pretty smart at it. We're mowing the lawn outside here, because that's where they hide. We find them, and we go look after them. And we, the, method, the main effort is this area here, getting rid of the weeds, keeping our flower garden proper. Next, the insurgency. This one was when I left, end of October. Next. First of all, their effectiveness has been arrested as a fighting unit. The enemy in the Kandahar area had major losses. We, from May, May until the elections in August, had a full-out campaign, and I believe we took out all of their combat effectiveness and their leadership. They must have felt like the Dallas Cowboys after the Vikings a few weeks ago. Enemy activities were the ISAF, that's coalition forces worked, was almost insignificant. Going back to the last slide where I showed you the area we went into in May to clear and put the streetlights in, there has been one incident since May, and that was unfortunately the journalist got killed about a month ago. That was the only incident in that area since May, just as an example what a stabilized region gives. They still remain potent, and they intimidate. Was it the paper a couple of days ago? Taliban sends uh, NATO a message, and they killed 30 of their own people. Now, how is that sending a message to, to, to NATO? They're, they're negatively... Remember the bubble? They're cutting themselves off from their own people. Okay, but are we twisting things around in our own papers? They have, I believe, a problem. They have no joint plan. They're running around onesies and twosies and just trying to cause havoc, and we're catching them. We are talking about the Afghan National Army, and Canadians are catching them. Next. Okay. No, you're going the other way. My, that was what was going on and what the picture looked like according to the insurgency. Now, what I did, the operational mentor and liaison team. Next. Is the gold bubble here? That's where I was focused. Inside that, you have their, like FBI, National Defense Security. They have their police and their Afghan National Army. That's the part I was looking at. Next. This is my mission. Take a second to read through it. The key point here is people talk about us training an Afghan army. Training gives you a picture of behind-wire firing ranges, conventional training. No. We get them. They're already trained to that level. 
we teach them how to employ their forces on the ground, and we go out there with them. We're on the ground with them so as to force employment, and every time we prepare and go out with them, as we do it more often, we get them to do more of the planning, more of preparation, and get them to do it on their own. But we're still there because they can't provide medevac because they don't have helicopters, so our guys will call in helicopters for medevac should anybody get hurt. Our guys are highly medically trained. Not medics. We're medically trained to patch up anybody that's hurt. We also can bring in artillery or gunship support if the situation should get sticky. We can also call for quick reaction forces if there's too many enemy at that point. That didn't happen very often. Next. So my key role is mentorship of the whole brigade. I'll go to that later on, what's inside of that. The brigade had to be able to learn and plan its own operations and to do that in complex operations as well with coalition partners. Plan, execute, and sustain. They have to learn how to do that. I also had to harmonize all of the operations that the ANA did. Don't forget, there's 3,000 Canadians, 3,000 Americans all working in the same area. Only so much artillery, only so much medical vac at the same time. So I had to harmonize, make sure that the operations were done uh, concurrently or sequentially, depending on what had to be done. Next. That's a brigade. 3,500 Afghan National Army. The three to your left are infantry of about 700. The yellow one is combat support. That is artillery, engineers, combat engineers, and reconnaissance. This gray one is support. That's your medical, your transport, your maintenance teams to fix the vehicles, and some communication skills. This last one was a, a new CANDAC, a battalion of infantry, that arrived in August. We had to train. So when I got there, only two of these were on the line and one of these. When we left, all of them were on the line, and these guys were able to support their own troops. That's the six and a half months we were there. Next. I had a team of 200. That's my guys here. I had a security team that went out with me of three vehicles protect me as I went out and visit throughout that 1,500 square kilometers. I was out in about at least half of the week. The other half I was sitting with the general coaching his staff. Each of these groups here, next, was paired off with one of the Kandaks. This was a dark blue because there were Americans that came in. I had to teach American officers under my command how to do the job. They came in in August. Next. Each of these groups, this is a big group of 42, had a major coaching the battalion commander, had a couple of captains uh, coaching logistics and operations, and a sergeant major coaching their head non-commissioned officer. Then I had teams of eight with two vehicles. Sometimes the teams were less than that. Out there with an Afghan company. Next. A team looked like this. They had two vehicles in the back like that, or different types of vehicles. Take away a couple for a leave. Sometimes you get five to six guys that are there in the middle of nowhere with 100 Afghan National Army in 100 by 100, sometimes strong points. This one here is on the main road I was telling you about. This was white when we got there. Direct hits for a period of two and a half months. They were hit every day by attacks. This young gentleman in the middle fixed up at least 25 children himself. That's not counting at least 50 or 60 other uh, Maz, Kaz, just in front 
of the building that our guys went out and fixed up. Over 70% of collateral damage is caused by the Taliban. Over 70%. That was in the paper a couple of weeks ago. So this team here, working alone. Next. Just a typical day of those guys. 6 to 8 in the morning, they will do a 10-kilometer road sweep. Every culvert in their area will be checked for IEDs. Sometimes they found them. Only a couple of times uh, we lost a couple because they had hand to handling. They get back, equipment and vehicle, after action review, what happened? Then they prepare for an operation in the afternoon. They go out, do patrolling, presence patrols. Then they, when they get back, how that went well, equipment, administration, and preparation for the next day. Most of these days, something happened. During the road suit, they were engaged or they found an IED. In the afternoon, they were attacked or they attacked somebody. Or while they're inside, bombs fell on their heads. Okay? So my guys, after six and a half months, were quite tired. That's a typical day. That's not counting when we go on operations, which is the planning and the execution of them. Next. My main effort was the brigade. For the elections, I got there in May. Their elections in August. We, as a coalition, could not be seen handling the ballot boxes, manning the polling stations, or having any direct field touch with the election process. We had to be in the, in the shadow. So the main aim was to ensure that the brigade commander controlled all of his troops throughout the area. Before, they were working in small Kandak, remember the pillars, on their own, just coordinated by him, but I had to teach him to command his whole brigade to have situation awareness and to be able to ensure security for the elections throughout the province of Kandahar. Next. The environment. How difficult was this? Next. This next slide here, notice it's a, uh, on the top is red and the bottom is blue. There's two key components that we had to work with. They were at war, they've been at war for over 30 years. We have it easy in Canada. We want to go shopping on Friday, Saturday, we do it. We plan in advance, we're going to do this and that. Can you imagine for 30 years you plan something and never, nothing happens? You can't do it? After 30 years of that, you don't want to plan anymore. You just let things happen. And they're Islamic, Islamic so they say, Inshallah, God willing. But I said, okay, that's fine. But I say, Inshallah happens to a plan. Inshallah doesn't create your plan. Furthermore, military operations, you've got to make sure your, your helicopters are ready, the artillery is there, the gunships are ready, people are at the right place at the right time, are they going to have enough food? All that planning has to be done. So you have to learn how to do that. That was a challenge with a, a people who are not used to working in that domain. Some were communist trained who were told what, what to do when, not the how. Okay, we had to teach them that. It's there, but to break them out of that mold, you throw a map in front of them and say, how would you do it? And they would show me and say, perfect, let's do it now. Okay, and we're doing that at every level. Their plans were taken and given to our higher headquarters and almost... When we came down with our coalition plan, we used their ideas. One plan was exactly their idea. That got buy-in, got them t understanding that area there. The blue area, Afghans are warriors. We're not going to teach Afghans how to be warriors because they are warriors. We have to hold them back sometimes. In fact, a couple of quick reaction forces, guys were in their flip-flops on, the, uh, on the battlefield. Okay, We had to put our equipment on and follow them, couldn't keep up with them. Okay? But when they got out there, they said, okay, how are we going to eat now? 
how long am I going to be here? So they had to learn the red area. So that was one of the challenges we had to go through. Next. Each soldier had to establish credibility. Credibility in that environment is how you react under fire. Remember I said our guys go outside the wire with them? So you can imagine being shot at. You had to become, you're not in command. The Afghan's in command. You go with an interpreter. Say, so you might want to move your machine gun from there over to there because there's more enemy on that side. Okay? We had to be calm enough to do that. Anything happen, provide value. You help them plan. But while, you're that, while that's happening, he expects you to bring in artillery or gunships onto the objective. If some of his soldiers are hurt, he wants to ensure that you're going to have a helicopter to evacuate them and help them patch them up. That's providing value. Establishing rapport, rapport, they're changing every six months. We change every six months. So the new guy comes in, has to develop a relationship. doesn't happen overnight. So we have to teach our guys how to do that. Every soldier and NCO had to learn that. They're illiterate, most of them. But they can read you. We read books. They've read you to cover to cover in about 24 hours. Okay, next. This is important. I talked a little bit about leadership and training, but I had soldiers out there as well. They understood their role is that in the blue area, the Afghan soldiers will be looking at us and imitating everything we do. So my soldiers realized that they too had a major role to do when we were out in the field. There's a soldier, an Afghan soldier, repeating or imitating the exact fire position my guys take. That's how it worked. So not only were we teaching the red area, we're teaching to be better in the blue area, and every one of my soldiers, we're only 200, we're doing all that job as well. Next. How do you train for that? A lot of cultural training, a lot of Muslim teachings, you had to understand that. The history of Afghanistan is very important because they talk a lot about it. And the Afghan culture is not everything Islamic. There's a whole culture involved. So you have to learn that. How do you interact with them? There's a major challenge. Uh, we had to learn the courses on how to do that. Language skills, being able to say, I'm very pleased to meet you, sir, in his language, broke the ice. And as much as possible, I would speak Dari. People love that. Salam alaikum doesn't hurt anybody. Okay? And it works well. Understanding the enemy, counterinsurgency training, was very important. All my guys understood how the enemy worked. Unfortunately, in war, the enemy has a vote. So the more you understand and respect the enemy, the more you, you better you are to react against him. Next. I'll speak in Newfoundland here, quickly. Okay, any consultants here? Good, okay. Consultant goes into somewhere and says, this is what has to be done, and leaves. The mentor, not only does he do that, he has to stay there and make sure it's done. Now try that in another country, another language, under the Soviet influence, people will have no hope during war while you're getting shot at. That's what the mentor team done. Next. Methodology. Get early buy-in. You had sometimes plead with them. Our planning cycle was much quicker than theirs, so you had to be a lot of foresight and a lot of getting him to understand what's happening. We all understand. Give a fish to someone one day, he feeds his family for a day. Teach him how to fish, 
he feeds his family for a lifetime. That's the methodology we all use. They can't provide gunships, artillery, medevac. We give it to them. What we knew, they can know, learn how to plan and train and execute. Once they knew how to do that, we didn't do it for them. We just provided support. When we knew they could do it and they said they wanted something else, we said, tough love. Get on with it, mate. We know you can do it. This guy is probably saying to this guy, but team time, no, you can't have that. You got it yourself. This guy is an interpreter. Without our interpreters, we would not have been able to do our job. Afghan nationals putting their lives on the line to help us. This guy's name is Froggy. Don't know his real name because if someone knew his real name, his family could be in danger. So they are part of the action. Step in. Mentors are hockey coaches. Sometimes we've got to get on the ice. I say if you have to get on the ice, first of all, just show the example. Secondly, move the puck. Thirdly, you might not want to set the guy up. Only if the situation is very, very bad and the leader is not doing his job, only then will you score the goal. Only then. Okay? So as a coach that sometimes has to get on the ice, we don't want to, but we're ready when we have to. Next. Biggest thing in this message is that when they could learn to do it on their own, we would reinforce that. And one of the Kandaks, we were able to do that. Uh, here's the enemy. Go get him. What do you want? And we give it to them, and they go and do it. We support them as much as possible. Next. Next. So the omelet you see worked on three of those pillars, mowing the lawn, working with the people, and harmonizing with the coalition forces, the operations. Next. Very busy. Over 69 operations. That's named one. That's not counting the patrols every day in six-month period. They were responsible for the security during the elections. Zero, zero incidents during the opening of the ballot boxes and the closing of the ballot boxes. He was so proud of that. Half hour after the elections were, were closed, uh, a bomb went off. Three guys got injured, and the general said, that doesn't count. That was after the elections. Okay, next. My concerns, medevac, of course. Quick reaction forces every time my guys went out. And fire support. I made sure they were able to have fire before they went outside the wire. Been lucky. This vehicle got the axle blown off before my guys walked out unscathed. This vehicle here, front wheel blown right off. Everybody walked out unscathed. In fact, the driver was this guy here who happens to be a medic who was driving. Because in the omelet, everybody does everything. Jack of all trades and masters of his own operation. Next. Development. Just quickly. How good we're doing. Next. They're rated red to green. Each of the Kandaks. Green means you're, you can do it just with a bit of support. And red means you can't do much without us. Next. After three years, the Afghan Brigade started red. When I left, the headquarters and two of the Kandaks were green. The other ones are yellow and dark yellow, almost green, when I left. And I bet they're almost all ones today. That's another legacy that Canada is leaving in Afghanistan. Next. Next. I just go quickly through the next one. What's happening? We're teaching them how to do things. Next. They have to start taking the ball. We're good at this level here. These other two levels have to be incorporated. Next. Uh, next, I just said that. This part here, the link between the government and the Afghan National Security Forces, that's what you hear McChrystal and Petraeus talking about. That's where they're working because they're getting pretty good at the tactical level. Next. My message is Afghans are in the fight. People tell me, 
How come we're fighting for them? I think I just told you they're fighting. 38 Afghans were lost on my watch. Six and a half months. Many, over 100, seriously wounded. It's going to take time. Mentoring means training and fighting. And Canadian soldiers are outstanding mentors. Next. This principle is good for any failing state. Knowledge is required to do that job. I use my 28 years of service many times to answer some of my challenges and all my troops at all levels. You can't go and buy an armor out the side of the road. You have to train them. Okay? And that's by doing the other jobs. Risks, I just told you that credibility means how you act under fire or in operations. It's a highly respected institution, and I only talked about security. Crime and corruption is not our, our part ship, so there's other things left to be done. Next. Did I get it inside five minutes? Close. <laughs> well, it was five minutes. I didn't speak too fast, but I hope, I hope not. Okay. Thank you.